So welcome to The Bailey. This is the show that can help you meet real sexy singles in your area tonight. I'm your host, Yassine Maschot. And today's topic <laughs> is going to be porn, pornography, smut, whatever you want to call it. Um, we'll have four participants today, including myself. And all of us are so committed to the topic that we all took medically inadvisable amounts of Viagra for the recording session today, just to showcase how committed we are to discussing this in the right mindset. So let's uh, introduce today's panel. <laughs> That's a good bit. Uh, hello, Interversity. Hey, Yassine, how's it going? Good. <laughs> and uh, we have Interversity and we have uh, Xantos. Hello. Hi, Yassine. And uh, Neophos, you're back. Yeah, what's up, man? So the, today's topic is going to be kind of like a, a sequel uh, or a spinoff to uh, a previous episode uh, regarding super stimuli. The, uh, you should go back and listen to it, the banality of catgirls. It's, it's a good one. But the, the general uh, idea is that it's possible to have an advance in technology uh, that essentially kidnaps or completely conquers uh, what how a, st a stimuli would normally satisfy a need. So the typical example would be, you know, Snickers bar would be amazing to a caveman who has never tasted sugar uh, or nuts and chocolate all in one combination. Other examples that fall into this are obviously pornography. Anyone living in modern society has virtually unlimited access to as many naked women getting railed, uh, giving blowjobs, doing whatever you can possibly fathom uh, on demand, and they would have infinite. Uh, they would have access to infinite variety on whatever kind they want. This is the genesis of Rule Thirty Four of the Internet, where whatever you can conjure up, there's probably a porn on that specific topic, including flaming goats. If if you go there, given the the pervasiveness of uh, pornography, um, it's been kind of a challenge to figure out exactly what effect it's had on society whether it's harmful or beneficial. And that's partly uh, that's part of what we're going to be discussing today. Anything else I should add as like a banner? No, I think it's fine. Inner, do you want to start in terms of like uh, the harm? Yeah, I would argue that porn is on net harmful to both most individuals who consume it and society as a whole. A uh, couple main reasons for this. The first one being issues that can arise in real life sexual relationships, uh, erectile dysfunction and in inability to become aroused by normal sexual activity. This is should should be self-explanatory why that's an issue uh, or why that's uh, a problem. And the other issue would be the demotivating factor of the ubiquitous availability of porn in terms of influencing people, in particular men, not to go out and pursue actual relationships and actual sex with real women or people leading but to... Women are people too. <laughs> are you sure... <laughs> Uh, okay, I already know what I'm editing out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so you can you can kind of bifurcate um, the concerns about pornography in, in different categories. Uh, and just to, just to, as I guess like a, a disclaimer, we're primarily going to be talking about the the harm of porn consumption. We're not really going to get into porn production. The Bailey's official positioning uh, position. Sorry, the Bailey's <laughs> official. The Bailey's official position is that trafficking is bad. Um, non-consent is bad. Uh, and there's not much else that we would get into. Uh, and we also don't have like a, you know, radical feminist, uh, as part of the panel that would tell us something more uh, extreme than that. So we're primarily just going to focus on the, on the effects of porn consumption. Uh, we're not really qualified to talk about porn production and, and the effects on, on impact on there. And so when it comes to por- the harm to porn consumption, and are you posted uh, one of what I would assume are like multitudes of studies that try to examine do the impact that widespread 24 seven unlimited streaming video pornography has had on men. Primarily men tend to be the primary consumers of pornography. Um, so that's one of the studies. Can you like outline some of the issues that they were able to find? Yeah. So this was actually a, review of studies i'm not sure if it was a formal metal meta-analysis uh but basically you know referenced a large number of studies and the very short version summary of this was that uh modern men those who have had access to you know this unlimited amount of porn in the last let's say 20 20 to 30 years give or take uh there has been a huge increase in issues of sexual dysfunction whether that be erectile dysfunction lack of interest in uh in sex in with real people uh low satisfaction in sex uh and things like that they they look a little bit at other factors that could influence those things and suggest that there's no other real factor that would explain all of those things except for increased use of porn. And they see many of these studies, not all of them, but a lot of them see issues where a greater consumption of porn leads to reduced sexual desire, reduced sexual satisfaction, and issues with erectile dysfunction uh, performance anxiety and uh, lowered sexual and relationship satisfaction, things like that. Yeah, and and we'll post the link to it. Uh, this is, I think, in the Behavioral Science uh, Journal. Uh, the lead author is uh, Brian Park, but there's a, a bunch of other contributors. And uh, similarly, there's a, there's an article by Mark Manson called "How Pornography Can Ruin Your Sex Life," and it kind of goes through the similar beats. If I had to summarize both, uh, or the general concerns here, is that porn is too good. Like it's too good at capturing your attention, and uh, the the deleterious effects on men that uh, are a result of it being too good is that essentially people lose men lose interest in real uh, human beings and want to kind of like seek refuge within the fantasy that is pornography, uh, because with pornography you have you know hot babes like twenty four seven and maybe your real life is not as uh, as exciting, so. The impact tends to be like, oh, I'm not as excited by my actual partner. I'm not as excited to have sex with with them. I can't keep up uh, an erection. And maybe it also encourages like a deeper dive into more hardcore taste and like more isolated kinks. 
that's generally like the theme, right? Is that like a good summary? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's That okay. sounds about right to me. Nifas, did you want to jump in? It is, of course, laughable to study something like that in America and not point it at, you know, decreased libido, uh, decreased desire for your partner, inability to keep it up. Might just be the obesity, you know? Might just be that everyone is so fucking fat that no one can actually hump anyone anymore. Uh, but for, for the sake of this topic, I will pretend that it is the porn. They actually, in the in this review in behavioral sciences, they address uh, obesity, smoking, anxiety, depression, and a couple other factors. And, you know, it's not conclusive, but they suggest arguments against those being the, the causative factor. So that's one of the problems, uh, given how widespread porn is or has become. Um, There's no control become, group here. Yeah, there's no control the group. There's world no world watches porn from a really young age. Uh, like any school teacher can tell you, yeah, the instant that a boy is like 13, he will look at porn on his smartphone. Yeah, and just to, I guess to give like some context, the first time I, you know, if it, so stepping back, like the pornography was generally illegal <laughs> throughout most of history. Uh, you didn't really have access to it, not easy access. Uh, you had to go to niche out of the way uh sketchy looking uh shops uh with weird men to get any access to pornography and the that changed like throughout the 80s and 90s uh as you had um like the the big one the, i think probably the the feature that made vcrs as popular as they are was the ability that you can rent uh pornography on a vhs tape and like watch it in private rather than go to a movie theater and like jerk off in a seat or something so that was a big shift. Uh, and of course, uh, another big shift was just like the move to uh, internet pornography and access through that way. For my own first encounter, I I mean, I, I came of age like throughout the 1990s. And around that time, it was before high-speed internet access. But what I did have was illegal cable, which meant that I had two channels uh, that were 24-7 pornography. And that was my first encounter with uh, with porn. I didn't really, because I was so siloed as a, like a young teenager, I didn't really understand what, why people watched porn. Uh, my, I knew that my friends like joked about it and they talked about jerking off, but I didn't actually know what jerking off was. So I would just like watch porn and be like, Oh, that's so nice. And then like close it and like go to sleep or something. I didn't, I didn't use it. <laughs> as late a, <laughs> <you> seen. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't use it as a, as a masturbatory aid, which is like how it generally is intended to, uh, until the, like I basically had an orgasm by accident and I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I get it now. I understand why people are so into pornography. So th- that was a, that was a big shift. Uh, like once the internet like turned on the spigot, like, you know, there's no one that is safe from, the domain. Uh, there's no one sa- safe from uh, pornography. The uh, the common statistic, what is it? It's like 93% of men watch porn and 7% are lying uh, or something to that effect. Uh, there's Because there's no control group, there's no way to really uh, accurately measure the impact. So all we have, the best thing that we have are these kind of like um, observational studies that look at the how a particular statistic is trending. So the behavioral sciences uh, uh, study that we mentioned, they they find like a variety of shifts, but it's not always obvious like why 
something is happening. Like that you can make some plausible theories that, that it's as a result of pornography, but it's not conclusive. Like for example, I think testosterone in men, measured testosterone has been declining for several decades. Um, I don't know how far it's been going on. And maybe that's a result of plastics in, in the water system or whatever, but that, that could be uh, a different um, causation behind like whatever trends that we're seeing in this uh, study. There's a whole host of other factors and trends and um, uh, shifts that could explain what we're seeing here. Yeah, that's a super common one. I mean, you, it is super hard to disentangle this from uh, lowered birth rates, um, from the increased average age to your first child. Um, all of that is like people are fucking less. Are they doing it because they're watching porn instead? Are they doing it because of the dropping testosterone levels? Are they doing it because everyone's fucking fat? I don't know. Uh, but you can make any just so theory fit into whichever narrative you want there. So, yeah, it doesn't mean that, like, it doesn't really make mean that we stop from discussing it, but it, it is a giant disclaimer. Like, we don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. So, with that said, porn <laughs> is awful. Uh, there is that, in terms of control groups, there is one, which is the right wing. Um, traditional leaning bodybuilder scene, right? They are all for no fap and no porn and all stuff like that. I have uh, no idea how much they're hypocrites and watch porn anyway, but they certainly like to talk the talk. I mean, okay. <laughs> are you going to go anywhere else from that? Because well, the control group means that, no, you're actually stuck on Twitter for the rest of your life. So not watching porn is awful. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> uh so i guess uh as a way to to bring in some balance so to speak uh there's an article uh, on uh, aeon i don't know how to pronounce it aeon aeon it's by uh, maria konikova it's from uh, 2015 uh i think she does a, a great job kind of trying to capture the landscape the essential conclusion that she comes to is that based on the studies that she's encountered porn may have a potentially beneficial aspect uh, it's not obvious if it has a negative one. There's some interesting discussion about how to exactly construct uh, a study that would try to measure this. Uh, but there's some interesting studies by um, uh, Nicole Pross, uh, at least at the time she was working at UCLA. Uh, she conducted some studies where she had couples come in, they would watch porn together or apart, and then she would rate whether people how their feelings changed about their partners. And she found that in some instances, like people gained uh, desire for their partner after watching porn that could have many plausible explanations. Like maybe they saw something that they wanted to, uh, try with their partner, or maybe just be because they were generally aroused, they became aroused, uh, for their partner specifically. So it's not, it's not clear. And we'll post the, the links to, um, uh, in the show notes. On the pro side of this, uh, the pro porn debate, which, I mean, you don't need to have the internet fuel 24 7 6 million hits on Pornhub levels of porn for it but there is a certain level of venting from porn like if you're really horny and it's you know late at night you can't it's a it's a fucking tuesday you can't just run out uh, to a bar and find some girl uh having porn to to vent your horniness and then go to sleep is probably a net benefit like using it just to, you know, get off, 
because it's hard to fucking sleep with a boner all the time. Um, Especially when he takes yeah, like, a shit ton of Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you when you gulp down Viagra by the fucking metric load, yeah, you're gonna have some problems. <laughs> Zantos, go ahead. Sort of echo Neophus's point here. At the level from the from the sort of uh, the evolutionary perspective, there's massive discrepancies in desire for sex between um, men and women. And that has a has an evolutionary benefit, but on an individual level, it can be quite harmful. Um, this typically, you know, manifests with men wanting significantly more sex than women. And one outlet for that, whereas somebody who is sort of put in a, an uncomfortable or unfortunate position by that fact, uh, porn can be a good way to control your own destiny in a sense. Yeah, so that that's one way that you can construct like a plausible explanation for why porn consumption would lead to reduced violence, where someone essentially has an outlet in the same way that they would have an outlet for violence through video games, for example. Uh, they would have an outlet for playing out their dark fantasies in a fantasy uh, realm rather than in, in the real world. One of the mo most popular TEDx talks was uh, Your Brain on Porn, which I think helped create the NoFap movement. Uh, I don't know whether to call it a movement. It's, it's a bunch of people on Reddit that say, yeah, you should just stop masturbating uh, and stop watching porn. So it follows the heuristic of avoiding super stimuli. And uh, I found it, I find it kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? I find the theory behind it sound in the same way that I find theories about super stimuli sound in general. So uh, for example, with the, with like things like the paleo diet, uh, the idea is that you cut back on modern uh, hyper-palatable foods, uh, avoid things like junk food that tends to seize up and capture your taste buds to an unreasonable degree. And uh, the idea is that you, if you follow that as a heuristic, you would lead potentially a healthier life. Uh, with regards to pornography, the, uh, the notion is that if you follow, if you cut back on something that is essentially psychiatric um, or essentially psychological junk food like pornography, if you cut back on it, then you would potentially see some benefits from avoiding porn. Uh, and this talk became widely popular um, and was spread around the internet for a while and led to kind of like this trope that tends to be found, I guess, primarily within maybe like right wing uh, spaces online. Uh, they tend to be mostly the ones that are anti-porn and they, they cite like, oh, like you lose your testosterone if you like keep watching, you lower your testosterone if you watch porn or if you masturbate too much or you lose your like motivation, right? So I'll share my experience here and, you know, I've done, I have tried uh, NoFap for pretty extended periods and a lot of, some, some of the, like several hours <laughs> some of the benefits that are claimed are clearly unrealistic you know there's there's the memes about it gives you magical powers and if you make it today you know 14 you'll be able to levitate um those are in good fun but not helpful <laughs> i did notice and you know people talk about true differences in um distractibility in motivation and in extroversion 
in the sense of being able to go out, speak with people and essentially desire more um, interaction and aggressiveness with other people. And I did notice that for myself, it was an interesting contrast I found. I will say that I did have more uh, higher higher uh, incidence of sexual experiences when practicing in the immediate aftermath of practicing no fat. <laughs> but I also think I made some of the worst decisions of my life in those periods <laughs> at the same time. So I'm not sure that uh, practicing something that makes you think with your dick, even if that's the intended goal, is necessarily a, a good idea. So what made you fall off the wagon? What made me uh, stop practicing nofa? Yeah. I think I make better decisions and enjoy myself more as a person when I'm not in the hyper-anxious, hyper-aggressive, hyper-irritable state that comes about after sort of prolonged periods of uh, no release whatsoever from that. Which is the intended yeah. goal, right? The intended goal is to get you to go out and become a more amped up version of yourself mm -hmm. by removing this sort of stimuli. Yeah. Has anyone else uh, tried NoFap? Well, actually, let me ask this. Like, does everyone right now uh, on this call or masturbate? Yeah, right now. Yeah, masturbate. I'm actually watching. I am watching porn right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't want to let that Viagra go to waste. You know what I mean? I'm masturbating to the sounds of your voices. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> Has anyone else tried NoFap? I have not quite done NoFap, but uh, there was a point earlier this year where I cut down from like a daily, sometimes twice a day habit to like once a week, give or take. And that was, that certainly had some some uh led some changes in my mentality and my uh i guess you could say aggression or drive in what way what kind of changes it made me i wouldn't say it made me noticeably more aggressive but i had this sort of increase in energy i was more motivated to do other things, more productive things, productive hobbies. And, uh, I was also much more motivated to actually pursue women in, in real life and, you know, go swipe on dating apps and set up dates and go out and, uh, try to find, uh, an outlet for sexual satisfaction that was not just myself. I did a 16 day, 16 day, no fab streak before a very anticipated first date. And then I had ED during the date, so apparently this is all bunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so myself, I tried the NoFap, and specifically I, tr I just stopped watching porn. I still masturbated. I did that for two and a half years. That was my longest streak. The I don't know if I can... I think I, I could identify some changes in that Essentially, I was more motivated to uh, go out and meet women rather than just like isolate myself in a hole. Over, I think like over time, I don't know if I noticed any significant difference. And uh, 
the the breaking point for me was uh 2020 when the pandemic hit and i was just so fucking bored and there was nothing happening like you can have all the motivation you want but if there's like a lockdown there's nothing you really can do or at least your options are severely limited uh so i've i haven't really gone back with as much fervor as before i don't gen- because generally i don't think uh my my opinion on pornography is that i don't think it really makes that much of a difference provided that you're not using it to an extreme standard i did notice you know i also when i cut down on on masturbating i also stopped watching porn pretty much and i so it's hard to disentangle the effects of masturbating substantially less versus not watching porn but i one of the biggest effects also that i noticed was substantial increase in interest in quote-unquote normal women or women in real life and you know I, i live in an area where the women are wildly above average compared to the u.s as a whole but i i mean i would literally turn my head and watch women walking down the sidewalk while i was driving constantly (laughs) like i was just like it was like this being on the hunt sort of sort of feeling whereas before when i was masturbating you know regularly and watching porn it was just not that much of a there wasn't that much drive like i'd see a woman and know she was think she was hot or whatever but there wasn't this like whoa i want to look at her i want to talk to her i want to you know try my chances right Mm. And I think that's the exact sort of thing that made me uh, the least comfortable and that I disliked the most um, after sort of an extended period of, of NoFap. It's, the sort of drive we're talking about isn't some minor quirk of human psychology. It's pretty hard-coded into, into men. You know, we're wired on a fundamental level to engage with the world and with other people in this way. I think it's... It's kind of an open question whether there is anything to be done about this. What do you mean by in this way? In, in a sexual sense, in the with the see the world as objects and subjects of sexual desire. You know, you I think you tend to, as Inter's talking about, you see often women as objects of sexual desire, and you see some other men as um, competitors in that race. Mm-hmm. And that colors the way that you interact with people, the way that you engage with people, the way you think about people. And I sort of think we have a, an eyes wide shut mentality when it comes to this sort of thing where it, it's considered sometimes laudable or it's seen as a benefit to amplify that mentality when it comes to when it's in the pursuit of sexual sexual conquest or you know, having as much sex as possible becomes high status. Mm-hmm. Whereas masturbation is is very much low status, I think ultimately a lot of this debate will tie back to, you know, opinions about pornography will tie back to the fact that masturbation is considered low status, is seen as cringe and the activity of a loser, and so any activity that ties to that or any tool for that, such as pornography, will be tainted by association. Do you think that's fundamentally wrong? Do you think that's fundamentally right? <laughs> yes. Wait, wait, 
what's the question? Like, what is, what are you referring to? What is fundamentally uh, wrong? That masturbation is inherently lower status than engaging in sexual relations with real people. Do you mean when you said, when you said wrong, um, I think I, I heard you, I interpreted you as asking sort of a moral question because I agree with you at the, at the object level, it's clearly, it is considered uh, low status and being mm-hmm. sort of a, a, a player type, like our friend Yassine is considered <laughs> very high status. Um, and so that, that the, the object level question to me is fairly uninteresting because it's so clear what the, what the answer is. To me, a very interesting question is the moral uh, question. What, what ought to be the case? Ought it to be low status? So I, I do want to go back to the low status uh, question, but um, I find your position, Xantos, interesting because you're responding to the criticism of pornography saying, hey, it, it demotivates you. It makes you less interested in pursuing real women. And your response is, yeah, so? Like that's kind of the point, right? That's the benefit, or at least that's what can be heralded as a benefit, right? Yeah, I think so. People take um, ibuprofen when they're hurt. They drink coffee to perk themselves up. You, know, you drink alcohol to calm yourself down. I think all of these are tools that can be used to put yourself into a mind state that you consider uh, suitable for your own flourishing. And that pornography is is one component of that as or more effective than any other. So Inner, do you, uh, do you disagree with that? Yes, but I think I would want to hear Xantos describe how use of porn would contribute to one's flourishing. Cause in my view, it's uh, you, you're basically you're wasting time on an activity that has very little uh, tangible benefit. Like you're not improving anything. You're not gaining any skills. You're not, I, most people don't feel better about themselves after masturbating, uh, which, you know, that just could just be chalked up to society kind of looking down on it, which is, you know, fair enough. That would be a large component. Sure. But what, how does watching porn contribute to someone's personal flourishing? So it's it can be conducive to human flourishing, just as we as we talked about, where you described the mentality that you felt after a period of nofap, as you know you had heightened irritability, heightened aggression, um, feeling sort of on the hunt, and I felt that exact same mental state. To me, the key question is: is that a state of eudaimonia, a state of flourishing, or not. Um, personally, I think that you can harness drive in other areas of your life that are not avenues of sexual desire and sexual pursuit, and that that often sets you up for to be a more complete, yeah, a more complete person than you would be if you were in the mental state of being locked in to viewing the world through this lens of, of sex all the time that I think, you know, pent up sexual energy often puts you in. Well, two, two things. One, I didn't say that it put me in a state of heightened irritability. I, I don't think it did. And two, 
I felt that the energy, the drive that I had when I substantially cut down on masturbation, stopped watching porn, was beneficial in many aspects of my life, including sports and hobbies, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and also in my job and in being able to communicate with people and having uh, the energy and desire and motivation to be effective in negotiation and effective in communication. So I, I saw that drive as being a net benefit. Now, if I were a sociopath or if I were a guy who did not respect you know, boundaries that women would set, or if I was low status and bad at social calibration and creepy in, you know, in so many words, then could that be a bad thing? Yes. But in my case, I saw it as a good thing. Sure. Of course. Of course. Let me put it to you this way. And I, I agree completely. Let me put it to you this way. Let's say that that was the same state. You were in the same state versus a this is this is this being the state of no fab. Um, so you have one version of yourself where you're engaging in no sexual activity whatsoever and one version of yourself where you are not masturbating but rather um, are sleeping with loads of women is that the same in your view because obviously you know s- supposedly in one you would be receiving the benefits of this state and in one you would not which is one of those flourishing and the other one is not I would say they're not the same. And if you're having a bunch of sex, you're going to lose that sort of energy that comes along with having no sexual release for an extended period of time. But in the general sense, I think that having sex with a bunch of different people or a lot of sex with one person or whatever your preference is, uh, is going to lead to better self-esteem, better outcomes, better confidence, and generally more flourishing than just not doing anything. I generally agree. And I think this ties exactly back to the masturbation is is low status um, problem where we have this tool that can help people. But if you, you know, partake of the forbidden fruit, it's you tar yourself um, and it becomes very, you know, it's not, people don't talk about it. It's a low status thing to, to discuss. I would assume that everyone here is uh, familiar with the so-called marriage premium, that nothing increases the productivity of a man in the workforce as much as getting married because suddenly he has to take his shit seriously. Uh, in that sense, yeah, uh, going nofap and getting hitched is probably the most workforce-related flourishing that you can do. Yeah, but you're describing two separate things. Yeah, uh, but it will be really hard to get married if you sit at home and masturbate all day. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, maybe, ladies, ladies, <laughs> leave us a comment. <laughs> uh, so I just. Uh, I was reminded of, uh, what is it called? Hiki, Hiki Komori. Uh, yeah. The basic, the, the Japanese hermits. 
these are young men that shut themselves in their room and never leave. Presumably, they're just on their computer the whole time. And presumably, they're just masturbating to pornography uh, because that would be the best explanation for why they're able to sustain that level of isolation. So that ties into what you're talking about when you say it's uh, masturbation is low status because it's seen as like a way to not interact with the world, right? Right. It can be. I think just like, you know, to, to call back to the super stimuli episode, pornography is a super stimulus. Absolutely. But just as you can consume Pepsi and be a healthy person, you can consume uh, pornography and be a healthy, flourishing person. Yeah, as long as you don't let the porn become the goal. Like, as long as your goals are still to flourish in the workplace and find a nice woman or whatever your goals originally are, then porn won't hinder that as such. Uh, but it might do. I was just going to say, I think it's it's possible to consume porn in small enough quantities in moderation such that you don't have any major issues with it. This, you know, kind of goes back to the, the last psychiatrist take on, on porn and especially on online uh, video porn, which is that it's kind of, it's pretty much like junk food. It's like the junk food of sex. It's yeah. Let's, so, you know, if we go with the analogy of junk food, if you have a cookie after dinner, you know, a few times a week or even, you know, one cookie every day after you're done with dinner or whatever, you're probably going to be fine. But if you're eating an entire bag of Doritos or two every day and having ice cream every day and drinking, you know, four cans of Coke every day, you're going to run into issues. And the more you, the more you engage with that sort of food, in this case, the worse off you're going to be in terms of health, in terms of self-image, in terms of how other people are going to view you. So can you do it in moderation and be okay and be normal and healthy? Sure. Is it? Are you taking a risk of going down a rabbit hole that leads to negative outcomes? Also, yes. Well, I think just as a sort of counterpoint, at least a little bit, why do people drink soda in the first place? Because it makes them happy, because it's it tastes good. And I think one reality that often is set aside, but is especially crucial when we're discussing this topic is that the people who consume the most porn, just as similarly to the people who consume the most junk food, um, often are not people who are having you know the greatest time. And it seems to me to be a little bit harsh. I guess you can, uh, maybe you should explain that and more explicitly when you say the people who are consuming the most porn, what you're, what I think what you're saying is that they're potentially the least likely to have real life avenues for sexual uh, intimacy, right? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, there is, there is the same thing with uh, stuff like video games and the like that, the video game that you're playing isn't necessarily fun, but it's the most fun that you're having to the extent that everything else seems boring. But if you ask them if they're having fun, they're not really having fun. And porn, especially for very lonely well, people. I don't know about that. 
I, I think porn if is. If you ask them that they're having wrestling. fun, they're not actually having fun. That seems. Yeah, it, they're not having fun in the traditional way of using the word. Um, you ask them if they're. What's the what's the wait, way? I think. The word? Hold on. I think that I, this might be potentially a language issue. I think I know what you're trying to say, Niyafaz. Um, but you you are phrasing it in a confusing way. Ah, uh, yeah, possibly. You can try again. Uh, what you uh, here's what I think you're trying to say is that it's like the most fun that they can have given the potential options, which might not be that exciting. Is that what you meant? Um, I mean, no. Like, like you get someone who is addicted to World of Warcraft, and addicted is probably the right term to use. They're not having fun playing World of Warcraft. Like they're not laughing. They're not really interested in it. But mm-hmm. everything else seems dull by comparison to the extent that they don't want to do anything else. They just want to play World of Warcraft. Okay. And it's like an, an, an atrophy of dopamine. Like World of Warcraft gives you the biggest hits, but the hits are still quite small. Uh, and I think the same thing goes for porn use in that it is a local maximum for lonely people. It is not a very large maximum, but it is the highest locally available one. Uh, I love calling it a local maximum. That's a, that's a great term. Yeah, it's fucking rationalist <laughs> terms, right? Yeah. Um, I will come out as anti-porn addiction, but pro-porn use. Yeah, yeah. porn addiction is bad. Addiction is what pro- a what a brave what a brave, brave position to take. <laughs> Thank you. Please. Uh, yeah, no, so, so yeah, that ties in as Inter mentioned uh, to the last psychiatrist ideas about this, um, which is a the creation of a fetish which is that you have some original want or goal, fucking women or marrying a woman in case you're slightly less crass about it. Um, And you are slowly replacing this want with something else, in this case, the porn. And the moment that you want to watch porn, not because you can't have the woman, so the porn will have to do, but because you want to watch porn, that's when it's a problem. And that would probably be the exact moment you could say that someone is addicted to it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the last psychiatrist, the article that you uh, posted was um, the, um, what was it? The effects of uh, too much porn. He's just not that into anyone. Uh, and, you know, typical to, of his writing style, the, the essay is so fucking piercing. Uh, it's like someone using uh, a word count to penetrate your soul it's a, it's a searing indictment in terms of how people, how, I guess, modern men, uh, how they have a relationship with uh, pornography, in some ways explicitly so. Like one of the uh, examples that was listed was this guy, Ron. Uh, and it says, uh, quote, uh, Ron says that for the last couple of years, he's had weekly dates with his favorite porn stars, which he looks forward to all day and even showers and shaves for, as though preparing for live action rendezvous. And he says, Mondays are for Gia Dornan. <laughs> Sorry. Mondays are for Gia Jordan, he says. Uh, Tuesdays are for Shasha Gray. Wednesdays he has a reprieve. <laughs> yeah, <and> I always, <laughs> I, I always look forward to Thursdays the most. Casey Cox, etc. Um, so uh, you know, uh, that's probably like the best example of what you're referring to, Neofas, in terms of um, using like seeking porn for itself, like fetishizing fetishization of, of the <laughs> fetish itself so instead of seeking sex you're this guy is just really he made he constructed a ritual around using pornography as a masturbatory aid uh but because he added a, a ritual to it it seems like more 
real in a way. And what I mean by real is like, it's more of, it's more of, it has more weight. It's more gravity. It's not just like this passive, uh, impulsive thing. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to like jerk one off. Uh, or <laughs> I'm just going to jerk off to like some porn. It's more of a, this is on my calendar. I'm going to prepare for it. This is what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And it, it is in the same way, like Santa's mentioned the, the, alcohol and drugs and stuff like that. It, it is much the same thing that if someone drinks alcohol to become a bit more open and a bit more uh, brave, so to say, with women, that's usually fine. Uh, if someone drinks to get drunk, that is their goal, then it's a problem. So it's very much the I'm same thing. I'm curious about that, actually. Yeah. Um, so I somewhat recently graduated from university. As part of that, Ooh. thank you. Um, Yasin was at my graduation, actually. <laughs> uh, as a part of that, there was, you know, as is the, the norm, there's a lot of alcohol consumption involved around that time. Uh, if you'd asked me what I was drinking for, for a good portion of that, I would have told you to get fucking shit-faced. To get drunk. I don't necessarily see the mechanism that you're describing as it's inherently a problem. It's inherently a fetishist, um, pale imitation. Well, no, but you're also pro porn. So I mean, but could you elaborate on that? On why? If I I do not elaborate on my drive by jokes. No. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually, as someone that nominally agrees sort of with Neofas, the, the situation that came to mind is like looking at my own clients and the ones that have a serious uh, alcohol abuse uh, problem. And it doesn't seem like they drink intentionally, uh, which is a weird way of saying it. It's more like I woke up, I'm going to like down a fifth throughout the day because it's just like what I do. It's more reflexive. It's, it's passive. Uh, it doesn't seem to be towards a goal. Like for me, like I drink alcohol, I, I enjoy it, but almost never by myself. It's almost always with like other people involved because I like how it makes me feel around other people or I like to be jovial at a party setting or something to that effect. But if it's just seen as like you reflexively reach for the bottle as part of a routine, then maybe that's an indication that that's the problem. And you can say the same thing about pornography where you wake up and it's like, okay, gotta, gotta yank one out uh, before I move on with my day. So in my mind, that would be the pretty much the point of talking about addiction versus uh, using a substance of some kind. And, you know, alcohol addiction is very real, very harmful, very painful for people. Um, But I, I sort of am missing a little bit of the through line on the jump between fetishization and addiction. Cause I think clearly addiction is bad, very harmful, uh, but I'm missing the inherent harm akin to that of addiction with the fetishization. Yeah, I, I think it's very hard. Uh, or, so a lot of substances have the obvious physical addictive behaviors, like abstinence hurts really fucking bad from heroin and stuff like that. Uh, but I think it's very hard to get addicted to something if you do not start to turn it into a goal unto itself. A lot like was famously said, only a beginner takes heroin to feel good. A true veteran takes heroin to get the pain to go away. Like yeah, heroin to becomes, feel normal. Yeah, to be, be normal. Uh, 
the heroin becomes a goal unto itself. It is not no longer the high. That's really the purpose. So this is this is exactly um, sort of where I would ask you to elaborate just a little bit more. Is I think we can agree clearly addiction is bad and very harmful. I think we could agree that having a beer once is clear not or watching one pornographic video is not harmful. So somewhere in there on that spectrum, you know, we would recognize the the point where you start becoming addicted and you're describing the, that process as being one of fetishization. Yeah. I I think that addiction is very much a, a medicinal term, right? Um, it is, it is based on a bunch of criteria from psychology or psychiatry. Uh, right. And the the fetishization here is more on the individual moral level. Uh, turning something from a, a replacement for a want, that you still want something, you just can't get it, into a fetish is a moral failure, while addictions... Uh, I'm not going to get into that, but there can be a lot of causes for them, basically. Sure. And so, you know, I don't, we could, that's a whole other topic to talk about the, the Kantian uh, using as a means point. But I think we, it's easy to say that we agree that addiction is bad. Yeah. And the, so the medical term, the medical sense is clearly, you know, a, a very harmful for people. And it's a medical condition because it's harmful for people the what is the moral harm involved in fetishization uh, i i think it it harms individual flourishing basically in, in the examples that we mentioned your inability to create a real relationship with a real person that will even if we ignore the trend that this will eventually lead to you know humanity's extinction it is bad for a person you are stuck in a quite low local maximum. There is so much more joy you could be having, but you have decided to no longer even attempt to reach that level. Instead, you are you are happy with your fetishes that you do have, and you indulge in them instead, and you will never reach above them. And I think that is a, a flaw of wanting to flourish as a human as I would want any human to do. So the way I would put it is um, it's a form of delusion and distraction. If you start pursuing the aid itself right, and forget about the, the reason why it was there to begin with. Like if you treat porn as kind of like a temporary stopgap measure until you actually get laid and then forget about getting laid, then that might become a problem. At least like within the rubric that the last psychiatrist, uh, uh, establishes. Yeah, the guy in his article, the guy that dresses up for the porn star dates, if he did a cheap Tinder date instead for all of those, he would have a girlfriend within, you know, a couple of weeks, a month. Like, sooner or later you get one, right? It's not impossible. Well, well I, in fairness, like, we don't know what his uh, life situation is. Yeah, I have no idea. That might, it's possible that that's the best that he can hope for. Does that, uh, if, if so, like, does that change your, I guess, denunciation of this guy, Ron? <sighs> I mean, in almost all cases, no. But yeah, he could be like uh, a 
deaf and dumb paraplegic or shit like that. I doubt it, but he could be, right? I guess if if he's a paraplegic, then I would wonder how he's masturbating. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, (laughs) yeah, he could be really in such a a horrendous state that, yeah, no woman would want him. But generally, for every lonely man, there is also a lonely woman. It happens to match up. I don't know. This sounds dubious to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, setting setting aside, like, the reality of that... um, you at least can see that it's possible that it's pos- this is like the best that he can achieve. And if so, that mitigates your denunciation, right? Uh, to a slight extent, yeah. But I believe okay. that that would be true for very, very few people. Like we're talking sub fifth percentile people, something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, uh, you so- probably can see the point on a one in 50, one in 100, like absolute low lives. I think though that the, so my, my last thought on this specific topic would just be that when we're talking about this kind of flourishing, it's always going to be on a spectrum and you know, it's, it's normally, we might think it's normally distributed where you're going to you know, offer mitigation to the far left tail. We might wonder whether we could draw a, a different line. Uh, somewhere slightly farther to the right of that curve. What curve are you talking about? The curve of, of flourishing of how well oh, he okay. can do what, what life he could live. You know, he could yeah. be to, to use the, the obvious and and kind of comical uh, example in the area of sexual prowess. He could be Dan Bilzerian who is sleeping with 70 supermodels a day, or he could be the paraplegic who can't even masturbate by himself. And somewhere in between, we're going to say that his circumstances are mitigated, that his uh, fetishization is mitigated. Yeah. Because so, uh, one, one question for you, Xantos, is um, y- your overall take on porn is probably the most similar to mine, uh, which is kind of like, eh, it's okay. Uh, it can help. And if you're addicted, it's bad, right? Yeah. Uh, can you uh, contemplate scenarios where you would start changing your uh, your opinion on that? And so... I'm using the the current standard as like the baseline as the as the current threshold which is you have access to virtually unlimited video streaming pornography at your fingertips. Um I imagine technology would get better especially you know with things like VR and whatever weird like machines that uh work and function uh in sync with the whatever video you're watching. Can you contemplate a scenario where it's like why would anyone try to have sex with real people when they can just download this machine that simulates it to the to the best degree, or at least a, re- a reasonably good degree? Maybe. Um, I think the questions become very complicated very quickly when we start talking about things like that. Okay. And ultimately, there will be there's going to be a reckoning at a larger societal level about values and flourishing and eudaimonia and what is the good and that the object level question of whether porn is benign, positive or negative is going to depend on a lot of those questions. But I could see the situation being different such that, you know, even casual porn use would be much more harmful. Or if the stimuli was even 
even better if we move towards a, a sort of wire heading scenario like you described. Um, I could see the intersection of the good and porn being lying in a different place. Yeah, my own position is that I'm not actually worried about something, a scenario that would start to approximate wireheading. Because I think a significant motivator of people having sex is the status that they glean from it, either for themselves or uh, what they are able to, um, I guess, like acquire based on the partners that they uh, that they are with. The pursuit of status is probably going to remain a bedrock of, of human motivation and relationships for a while. Oh, yeah, thanks. Let me just wait on that. <laughs> We're going to wait for Inter to get arrested? No, it's on my end. I don't think Inter is going to get arrested. I hope not. Give me a call if you do, okay? I will. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that just just as a last point on that, um, I think in the short term, you're absolutely right. To, to call back again to what was discussed in the uh, Cat Girls episode, on a, on a longer time curve as technology gets even better and the process accelerates at some point, there will be the question of, do you pursue status in the actual world or do you put yourself in a world where you've already achieved that status? Yeah, that's fair. So, um, another, uh, article, uh, that I read a while ago that I enjoyed is called hardcore and it's by Natasha Vargas Cooper in the Atlantic from 2011. And, um, it, it highlights uh, like one of the aspects of pornography uh, that is worth considering is how it introduces people to things that they might not otherwise have been interested in in trying. Uh, so one example that uh, Natasha mentions is uh, there was a 1992 study that surveyed sexual behaviors uh, by the University of Chicago and said something like 20% of women ages 25 to 29 reported having sex, uh, anal sex. And this is in 1992. Uh, by uh, 2010, that same demographic jumped up to 46%. And it does seem reasonable to uh, uh, blame or quote unquote blame pornography for, for this effect. You know, anal is very easy to find in pornography. And maybe that got people interested in trying it. And it led to the doubling uh, in the number of people that, that tried anal sex within this cohort. Anyone have any thoughts about that? I think you could point to a similar phenomenon with the rise of uh, big booty bitches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's certainly the trend. Uh, I know I've mentioned this before. Uh, being clean shaven or even waxed is like having a Brazilian wax used to be really uncommon. Mm-hmm. And it's super common in porn. So it has drifted into being at least roughly mainstream from what I know. Yeah. Um, that's another thing. It's, it looks more appealing. So maybe it's even a net positive, but uh, yeah, maybe just porn made you think that it looks more appealing. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's not relegated to just this. There's a number of uh, examples. There's, um, a lot of hand wringing about, I guess, like the, um, like forceful or aggressive or violent uh, habits in pornography, like choking uh, or just just being much more rougher than than you would typically typically expect, um, and how people suspect that that's driving uh, changes in how people interact in their interpersonal uh, relationships. Yeah, I've certainly heard it's a very standard feminist critique is that boys learn sexual behavior from pornography. Mm-hmm. 
which is basically about just ramming the girl for 25 minutes in eight different locations and then going home. So, yeah, I mean, my own position, uh, if we take just look at anal sex, I'm not a fan of anal sex personally, but if people are trying something that uh, they enjoy, that seems like a net benefit. As you know, at least if you accept my worldview, which is uh, pleasure is good. Uh, you might have some other worldview that might caution against that, where you see this as a sign of degeneracy. But any other concerns about about this dynamic? The dynamic is that uh, it, it is a bit hard to untangle. But the reason they find it good is because they want to live out a porno. Like, the the man doesn't want to have sex with his wife. He wants to, in his own head, star in a porno and the co-star happens to be his wife. Says... Says me. <laughs> I guess that's, what, yeah, that's one possible explanation. Yeah, that, that, is, that is part of the, the larger, the last psychiatrist fetishization narrative, is that you want to basically live out your fantasies with people around you, hoping that they play their roles in the movie of your life rather than interacting with real people in the real world. Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds uh, less like a critique of porn and more of a description of how we all go about our day. You know, you have people around you who you you have a narrative arc and it it doesn't seem to me to be uniquely uh, a negative thing in pornography. Well, yes, essentially. But, but I do think that a lot of, uniquely, a lot of the behaviors that you see in people's sex lives, I would assume it's a hard thing to study for obvious reasons, comes from their ideas of pornography these days. I have no idea if that is actually harmful. I assume if we got a feminist on, she would be great at explaining all the ways it is. Well, for me, I just see it as uh, it's really just like the market supplying uh, a demand. There's a, there's a desire for certain niche kinks, and I mean, like pornographers don't. I don't think I don't think they have an agenda. I'm sure like there's some feminist critique that say they will, but I don't think they have an agenda besides making money. Yeah. And this is just like they're just supplying like whatever people want, and this just happens to be what they want. Yeah. If we look back at the Kama Sutra and stuff like that, this is ancient stuff to tell people how to have sex better, basically. So. Well, I think a a good example to or an interesting example of this is uh, facials, which before the advent of porn, I'm not sure it was a particularly highly demanded or common thing that happened. Like it's straightforward. It seems straightforwardly obvious to me that, you, you know, as a man, it feels better and is nicer if you're having sex to come in a vagina than on a woman's face i mean you know that could just be me but that's that would be my inclination and i would think it would be fairly obvious uh but now we're seeing all these what you're missing out on is the power dynamic of oh my god i can't believe like she would let him do that i suppose that's like i think that's the draw for for like the degradation that you find in porn it's it's like you are so attractive, you're so high status as a male that she will let you do this. Hmm. Is that why you like it? <laughs> I, I no, I don't have any particular preference for it, but I, I'm <laughs> guessing that that's uh, 
I'm guess, uh, that that's my best read on like why that's uh, intriguing or compelling. Yeah, and I, I I agree with you, seen on that one that it is a a power dynamic move. Yeah, basically, why would you do that for any other reason than to degrade her? Basically, other than you've seen it in porn, it's hot in porn, so maybe it's hot to do it. You know, honey, could you let me try it? <laughs> I do wonder how um, how like porn actors deal with the with the life that they live, and I'm talking about male porn actors. There was, uh, I think, um, what is it, John Ronson? Uh, he had a podcast that were a series on porn, and he noticed that while people, while the men were on the set, whenever they had issues getting hard, they would pull up porn on their phone and like touch themselves as a way to get an erection again, which is so fucking bizarre because they're in the middle of a porno. Like, <laughs> why? Yeah, but you don't like, get it. Their co-star is like a brunette, and I only like porn. <laughs> I mean, th- this gets to uh, the fetish- fetishization aspect uh, that you talked about, Neofas, where it seems so like upside down, where they're literally in what – I don't know how else to emphasize that. They, they're literally in what they're fantasizing about, but they, they can't do it. It doesn't work unless they see it through a screen yeah. or something. Well, I think part of it is a dynamic of, of vulnerability, and sex is often a very vulnerable dimension of interaction, whereas – pornography you have a a screen that's mediating that for you and so you feel less vulnerable and that's where a lot of uh you know erectile dysfunction and stuff like that can come from is you know performance anxiety and the like i think it is also part of of camera angles basically the (laughs) by watching porn you become used to seeing the female body from quite extreme angles that aren't possible when you're actually having sex with them. <laughs> now I'm just imagining like a mirror on a selfie stick. That's, yeah, basically, that's sold, you know, that's you sold need, in like sex shops. Yeah, you need the American <laughs> Psycho mirrors in order to get off. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> Inner, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I think part of that might also be, I mean, that's, I would take that as a sign of, okay, this, clearly there's something wrong here, but I think, a, a part of it is uh, you, th- the porn actors aren't really living out their f- fantasy in the way you would naively think because you're, you know, when they're shooting a porn, you're spending, you know, anywhere from an hour to three or four or five or even six hours shooting and you're having to do multiple takes and you're having to suppress the urge to ejaculate and you're having to, you know, perform in all these poses that are physically demanding. You're not actually fulfilling the fantasy, which is reenacting that 20 minute video with a few positions and it's all perfect. And then the dude, you know, comes explosively at the end it's actually being in a porn is a very different than living out your fantasy. Yeah. Anything else? Any other points? Anything that we didn't touch upon? Hopefully not our dicks. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully not. Um, so, uh, the, what is it? The insurance company that does our liability policy, um, says I have to add this at the end. Uh, if you have an erection lasting more than four hours, please seek emergency care. Um, that's probably maybe we, we all can get an Uber to the ER 
boys? Well, I thought they, you know, we heard that on your audio earlier. I thought they were already coming to get you. Help you out. <laughs> well, just to save some on the medical bills. Oh, God, his so. dick is so massive. Send the fucking cops. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I guess we'll leave it there.